This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's Europa League preview time. Welcome to Kego Lasso. We got Jimmy Conrad and James Ben to break down all the action, all the Premier League teams, uh, Real Sociedad against Napoli. That should be a good one and much, much more. Plus, we have a conversation with Benfica and Belgium defender Jan Vertonghen. Stay right here because this is a good one. Everybody, welcome back. Kego Lasso, as promised, a loaded Europa League preview show. My man, my brother, Jimmy Conrad. Jimmy, it's Halloween soon. Are you excited? I am. I am excited. That means cavity season for me. Lots of lots of sugar in my life. Uh, and I'm looking forward to it. I, I don't know what your favorite candy bar is, but I think for Halloween for me, uh, I really appreciate uh, 100 grand bars, even though they're hard to get. Charleston Chews, I like too. I know we've discussed this before, but I just wanted to double down on it because I love my candy. Man, I like Reese's Pieces, man. You just can't go wrong with Reese's Pieces and Three Musketeers. But remember, I grew up in England, right? I mean, if you've never had Lion Bars, Maltesers, man, you got to go to town on those. Ooh, no, I can't. I can't stand for Maltesers. I'm going to speak for a a big, big portion of the audience. Malt balls just don't do anything for me. I'd rather Mm -hmm. not eat anything or celery. I hate celery. I, I would rather eat celery than than malt ball. Because it, it, it feels Jimmy. like there's a listen. It's like a tease, Luis. It's like it, this is gonna be good, and then it's not. So I'd rather just not you're, eat anything. You're so wrong. I'm so offended right now, Jimmy. Me and you're like best buds. This is where we draw the line. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite candy? Tell us because we have a special Halloween episode as we do the weekend recap as well. But let's get going. Europa League. James Bench will join us soon. He was at the Arsenal press conference. He'll be at the Emirates as well. So he'll give us full-on analysis. But Jimmy, a lot of games once again, match day two. Let's begin uh, from a betting standard. Arsenal. Arsenal, who lost to Leicester City, also in the Europa League, against Dundalk. Uh, Give us some uh, betting tips on this one. I mean, there are no betting tips in this one because Arsenal is such a heavy favorite. I'm trying to find value for you guys on William Hill. That's what I do. I put my trunks on and I go swimming in the warm waters at that website and trying to find you guys some good stuff. The only one that I could really find is uh, Nicola Pepe scoring anytime at plus 110. Every other meaningful goal score for Arsenal is in the negative. I don't like giving you guys negative lines. I just like, eh, it's not my thing. I'm a positive guy, Luis. You know what I mean? And so I like to look for the positive stuff. Uh, I got that one. And then there is this, I'm interested in this one and I want to get your thoughts. This is just something I'm looking at. Draw in the first half between the two teams. I feel like Dundalk's just going to give everything they have in the first half. Very similar to Molda when Arsenal played them. And then Arsenal had to bring on the big guns. Uh, you know, Pierre and Enrico Bamiang in particular. And they saved the day and scored in the second half. And then Arsenal to win the second half. That's plus 370. I'm looking hard at that one because Arsenal haven't been great as of late. I feel like they're not really creating these clear-cut chances, or at least not as consistently as I think they should, given the talent they have on their roster. I like that one a little bit because I think this is the biggest game in Dundalk's history. There's no question. And I think they're going to come out flying in the first half. Now, this is a good opportunity for Mikel Arteta to potentially kill their spirits in the first 10 minutes. So there's some value there and maybe Arsenal scoring early. But 
But if that doesn't happen, I could see Dundalk really frustrating Arsenal, trying everything that they can to get to uh, the halftime at 0-0 and keep things even. And then maybe they can, they can steal a goal. I feel like that's how they're seeing the game. And Arsenal's like, fine, we'll just absorb it. We'll bring on our big guns in the second half. We'll do the same thing we did against Molda. There's something I like about that one. But those are really the only two bets that I think you guys should consider because the other ones are just so in the negative and so over the top for Arsenal. There's not much value there otherwise. No, I love that one. The nil-nil at halftime. I mean, recent history is telling us that that could be uh, the way to go. Against Rapid Wien, that's exactly what happened. It was nil-nil. Oh, yeah, at Rapid Wien. I said Molda. I don't know why I said Molda, yeah. That's fine. Same team. Whatever. Um, <laughs> Dude, there's like 80,000 teams in the exactly. Europa League. Exactly. <laughs> we me, get so confused. But against Rapid Wien, it was nil-nil. And then, obviously, the action came in the second half. Against... Um, Leicester City, it was nil-nil until the danger man himself, Jamie Vardy, capitalized and made it one nothing. So you could see that happening. I'm going all in on that. Nil-nil at halftime, and then Arsenal just get going in the second. That's a good one. Let's move on um, because there's a lot of games. Oh, but let's, yeah, there's just too many. But let's talk about Real Sociedad against Napoli. This is a beautiful matchup on paper, isn't it? I, just, oh. I love this one. I love it because La Real are on top of the table in La Liga. Uh, nobody really expected them to be there at this point. Obviously, Madrid have faltered a smidge, and Barcelona haven't really been firing, and Atletico Madrid still trying to, I think, cram Luis Suarez into how they like to play, and now Joao Felix played very good in the Champions League this past week. So I think there's signs there that Atleti can be very tough the rest of the season. But at the moment, La Real are on top of the table. Napoli lost to Azed Alkmar in match day one at home. Yes, they got more shots, and yes, they had more possession, but still, that was like a C team for Azed because they had missed so many people due to COVID. So I don't know which, which version of Napoli is going to show up. They need to win this one. It's pretty rare to lose your first two group games and then go on and get out of the group and then hit into the knockout rounds. Napoli was one of my favorites to, to, to do it, to, to potentially have a long run in the tournament. Everything's even in this one. So ultimately, uh, if you want um, La Real to win, let me, let me check it really quick. There's so many games. I had everything up. But the well, one that I really like looking, at the moment. Go ahead, go as ahead. As you're looking at that matchup, I feel like Napoli, Napoli are doing what Atalanta's doing the other way around. So now Atalanta's doing well in the Champions League and struggling in, 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 in Serie A. And Napoli is doing okay in Serie A. And kind of that, that loss in the opening day in Europa was tough. This is Real Sociedad and Napoli's first ever encounter in European competition. Uh, and, so, you know, Sociedad's only previous Italian opponents are Inter and Juventus. So this is the first time they're playing Napoli. So take that from what you will. So, so on William Hill, it's plus 163 for Real Sociedad to win and plus 163 for Napoli to win and the draw is plus 240. I don't know. I mean, it's a tough one. I do kind of like the over. It's two and a half is the line over is plus 100. I could see this game ending two to one in favor of somebody. I just don't know who yet. I really feel like we're going to be flipping a coin. Napoli does have the talent and uh, Dries Mertens is coming back in. Lorenzo Insigne is coming. You know, all these guys are coming back in. So that should help. But uh, who I really like is uh, Mikel Oyarzabal, who plays for Real Sociedad. He's one of the leading scorers. A score anytime at plus 220. I like that one a lot. And then you have Porto who also has scored four goals for La Real this season. And he's at plus 260 to score anytime. So I kind of like maybe putting a flyer on those guys because they get themselves in good spots to score goals. I don't know if David Silva is going to start this one. They might rest him. He's 34 years old. They got to really pick their spots. I don't know. I don't, I just didn't think they expect themselves to be doing this well in Europe, this well domestically. And now they have to balance it out. Oh, geez, we might have a nice little run here in the Europa League. Let's be thoughtful about this. But it's going to be really important for both teams to get points in this. I could see a draw plus 240 is not bad. 
but uh, I don't know. It's it's tough. I could probably talk myself into a couple of different bets here, Luis. Well, this is so conflicting too as well, Jimmy, because Real Sociedad are winless in two UEFA Cup Europa League home matches and Napoli have lost both of their last two away Europa League matches. So something has to give. But right? I'll say this too. Yeah, it does. La Real though, I looked at who they were playing in, in La Liga so far because I think that matters. But they played Hitafe. Uh, they played a couple other clubs that are solid. I mean, they're not like playing the, the ones, the bottom feeders. And I want to get into RB Leipzig. Uh, no, yeah, well, they RB beat Leipzig. Hitafe 3 nothing. That's it, right. I mean, yeah. but they, so they've scored 14 goals and given up, uh, only given up three. They have the best goal difference in all of La Liga by some margin. So they're doing it on both sides. I really like what they're about right now. And uh, I threw in RB Leipzig really quick because – they are a team that look good right now, but they haven't really played anybody, just a bunch of bottom feeders. So I just, just to give you context as to why I threw them in. No, it's good. This is a good game for you to gamble, operative word gamble. Just go out. You got the information from Jimmy. I love it. All right, let's move on. We have Yamber Tongan in the episode, Jimmy. Yamber Tongan, so, such a, awesome. a great guy. Loves board games, by the way. Loves his board games, which is really funny. Uh, him and Eric Dyer used to play a lot back uh, with Tottenham. But which games? Which games? He loves backgammon. Okay. Uh, and there was another one, the name I forgot. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Is it Settlers of Catan? No, but oh, wait, it could be Catan. Yes, it is Settlers of Catan. Yes. Listen, the best board game of all time. Yeah. Can I give you a fun fact about this? Go so ahead. When I was playing back in the day, they had an online version, okay? Yeah. And you can go on and obviously be anonymous. And my, I think my handle was Jimmy James or something because I was going through a nice Beastie Boys phase. And, and, I ended up being number one in the world for five days. That no is joke. hilarious. And no joke. Hilarious. And I had a whole bunch of my Kansas City Wizards teammates at the time. Uh, they're all involved too. It was, I, it's a career highlight for me. I love that game. And now, now I want to play against Jan Vertonghen. So if you can connect us, I would, I would love we'll, that. We'll make it happen. He's a huge board game. I think it's hilarious, by the way. Ne it's never too unpopular to live it up with the Beastie Boys. That's probably why you're number one, the Jimmy James gun. But <laughs> that, he loves Catan, absolutely. He loves some other games as well. Um, so he's in the episode today. He, he, really good chat. Uh, but, you know, Benfica face Standard Leash, Belgium Standard yes. Leash. So uh, give us something on that. Benfica are super interesting as well because Bertongen, who's played with uh, Tobiel de Wuerl for so many years, is now has Nico Otamendi next to him, which is like, like a retro uh, sort of uh, Premier League defensive backup. How do you see this game? Benfica is the highest scoring team in all of Portugal. They are scoring goals in bunches. In the first match day, Darwin Nunez had a hat trick. He's the heavy favorite to score again. Benfica is a heavy favorite to win this. It's minus 400 uh, if, you want the, if you want to bet them to win the game. Standard Liège, not so good right now. Haven't looked very good. Not scoring a lot of goals. Uh, don't really have much value. It feels very similar to Arsenal Dundalk where it's pretty one-sided. But I do like Darwin Nunez to score the first or last goal at plus 110 or plus 120, excuse me. I think that's some good value. And then his strike partner, who maybe isn't getting as much attention, Everton, uh, he could score any time at plus 138. I love Everton, man. That's that's the best value. I think if, if Standard Liege is like, oh, man, we got we to gotta mark this Darwin Nunez guy, they might throw no, no more numbers at him, and that will open up space for other players. And I think Everton could potentially get a goal. And plus 138 scoring any time is, is, is pretty decent value. And Benfica's in a roll right now. I mean, they beat uh, Belenenses uh, to nothing. They beat Lech Poshnan before that for two. They beat Rio Ave three nothing uh, against Forense three two. So they score goals as you mentioned. So it's good value for them to see definitely scoring in Everton. You guys, if you don't know Everton, you need to watch him, especially Copa America last season. I mean, he's going to be big stuff. But they're a super interesting team, the most decorated club in Portuguese history, more than Porto. 
uh, and sporting CP. So it's a good one. It, it uh, is. It, before you move on, I just, I didn't think they looked good in Champions League qualifying when they got dumped by Pauk. And I was like, man, what's, they got Vertonghen. They got Otamendi. They kind of got this nice mix of young and old. I really like what they're putting together. And since that game, they have been unbeaten. They have looked very good. And they're scoring, I mean, they're winning games 3-0, 4-1, 5-2. You know, it's just, it's crazy uh, some of the numbers they're putting up in this. So yeah, they're flying right now. And then the other team can't score to save their lives. So it's, yeah, it's, and they it, do, it should be pretty one-sided. Benfica do really well against uh, Belgian opposition. They're undefeated uh, against Belgian opposition in the last 10 matches. So again, another piece of information there. Again, so many games, but uh, let's go back to England. Antwerp playing Tottenham. Uh, should be an interesting one. I believe Antwerp won match day one, and so did Spurs. So something has to give here. What do you see there? Yeah, for me, I really like the over in this. Uh, over three and a half goals is plus 140, Luis. Uh, I like that one a lot just because of how many goal spurs are scoring and creating. And yes, I know it's a little bit more difficult for them, or at least this past week against Burnley. But Burnley are away from home. They're always going to be tough to beat as they did in the Premier League. But they got it done. Harry Kane to Hingman's son is... For me, like Magic the Johnson, ultimate combo. It's yeah. like Magic Johnson to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at this moment. I mean, yeah. it's just you cannot stop these guys. Yeah. Uh, but I like that. You know, Tottenham have been. I, there's. I had some notes down. There've been over two and a half goals scored in eight of Tottenham's last nine Europa League games. Uh, they won their last four. They're scoring a bunch of goals. They've scored at least three goals in their last three matches in the Europa League. So I like Spurs to win. This is another one, and only over two and a half goals plus one hundred two. Gareth Bale at some point, right? He's going to do something you're like, oh, I should have bet him. He's right now scoring anytime plus 100. I like that a lot. And then if you want Spurs to win both halves, which I think they have the capability of doing, just to find like that, maybe a little bit more of a flyer, maybe a little bit more of a risk. I like them at plus 300. They got to win both halves though. And they have the firepower to do it. I really like Carlos Vinicius up top. I think he's done a very good job of, of talking about a Benfica player, right? Of just holding the ball up and allowing other players to to come in and, and make a difference. I think Lucas Mora and Lo Celso and Gareth Bale in particular, who I think are going to start this one, will, will take advantage of that because he now has to – he's going to get a lot more attention. And like I said about Nunez before, when one player is playing that well, it's going to open up space for other people, and, and I think other players can take advantage. So I like Spurs to win both halves plus 300. I think that's good value too. Well, Europa League has so many games and, you know, one of the narratives for this is the fact that, you know, a lot of teams have never played against each other. We've already talked about others. This one is another one. Antwerp and Tottenham have never faced against each other. However, Tottenham has never won a way to Belgian opposition. It could be the difference tomorrow. Uh, look out for uh, Semen Christensen Euclerod, uh, by the way, from, uh, from Antwerp. He created seven chances against Ludo Gretz, uh, more than any other player. Uh, manage on match day one make that with what you will obviously Tottenham is a different kettle of fish but you never know but I love Carlos finishes we'll see what what happens there anything else Jimmy any other takes before we say goodbye to you before we yeah. bring it, James um Leicester City against like Athens anything else anywhere oh my god that's this just changed with like within the last hour of me looking at this but Bayer Leverkusen to win straight up over Slavia Prague was plus 100 it's now minus 110 I still think there's some value there. Leverkusen beating Nice in match day one, six to two. These guys are on it. They are so yeah. good and they can beat you in so many different ways. I don't think Slavia Prague has much of a chance in this one. So if you guys can go on to William Hill and figure it out, there's probably some, some good lines there to follow. But I would look at Leverkusen doing the business in that one. Uh, other notes that I have, yeah, you got to talk about AC Milan versus Sparta Prague. Zlatan to score the first or last goal. I, I like that one a lot. That's like plus uh, 150. 
And then Zlatan, I really like this one, Luis, and I think you will too. And I'm bringing up Zlatan because he always seems to score in big games. Sparta Prague, they are down center backs. So they're going to be putting in a 21-year-old to start who's really never played before. Zlatan's going to eat that kid up for lunch, okay? So, <laughs> so I like Zlatan to score and Milan to win exactly 2-0, 2-1 or 3-1 plus 380. I, I do think that Sparta Prague has enough to, to score. Uh, Milan have only kept two clean sheets throughout seven or eight games this season. So there's going to be some opportunities there. They do get a little loose at times, but I do think they're going to find a way to, to win. I, I like that one a lot, but again, it's got to be, Zlatan's got to score and it's got to be one of those exact score lines plus 380. Uh, I take that one to the bank, baby. Yeah, this will be the opening home game for AC Milan before they have to play Udinese this weekend. And we talked about first encounters for many teams. Actually, this one is going to be the seventh time. They've already, you know, they, they know each other pretty well. But you would bet your money that Slatten's going to look at that young center back and be like, I'm all over you. I'm all over you. Jimmy Conrad, always love having you here, brother. And we will speak to you, speak to you later even as well because we're going to do the, the recap. Uh, oh, not the recap. We'll do the weekend recap as well tomorrow. But Jimmy, always good to see you, brother. Thank you so much. And, you know, try some Maltesers, man. We're good. No, no, I refuse. I refuse. Thanks for having me, everybody. See you, Luis. Yeah, see you never. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. We say goodbye to Jimmy. We say hello to James Benj. Benj from England. Uh, he's off to the Emirates uh, to see Arsenal. Uh, he was at the presser. James, how are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm great. Um, still getting used to life at CBS. For those of our listeners that don't know, this is my first week, so be nice to me. Um, but we spent all day doing tech stuff and listening to Mikel Arteta. It's been a weird day. That's a weird one. We're not going to be nice to you. Nobody was nice to me, so whether they should be nice to you. It's not going to happen. <laughs> hey, listen, we were talking about Halloween candy, and because I grew up in England, I, I brought up Lion Bars, which are so good. And I love Maltesers. What is your take on Maltesers, Jane? Um, so lime, well, I'm going to, my, my Maltese take is they're like, they're fine. You've got to, you don't, don't bite down on them. Otherwise it's really weird. And like, um, lime bars are good. Um, American candy's weird. And I don't know what, what the, the, without, again, without wishing to alienate more of our audience after yesterday's Lionel Messi take, um, what is wrong with your chocolate America? Yeah. I know, it's I know. Listen, so they, they don't know anything if they don't if I haven't eaten English candy yet. Like English sweets are so much better. But again, like you said, let's not alienate more people. <laughs> um, let's talk about Arsenal. Arsenal, you were at the presser, Mikel Arteta. What's the latest on them as they look ahead and play Dundalk, looking for a two for two in the Europa League? So despite the fact that they have eight centre-backs on their books, maybe even more, and players like Kieran Tierney that can shuffle in, Arsenal, because they're Arsenal, have a crisis of numbers in central defence. David Luiz is out against Dundalk. He's probably going to be out against Manchester City as well. Sorry, Manchester United. Um, so that's a, a real defensive problem because he and Gabriel Magalhaes, kind of the, the best redeeming feature of the season has been there, those two settling in as a partnership together. Shkodra Mustafi is probably going to come in. But I mean, Arsenal also without Rob Holding, he won't train until next week. Uh, Socrates isn't in the squad. Um, who else are they missing? Like, there's so many names uh, that I, I struggle to reel them all off. Pablo Mari as well. He's had quite a few setbacks on an ankle injury. Callum Chambers probably not going to play until at the very latest, you know, the final few weeks of this year. So, I mean, it, it's classically Arsenal that injuries and in central defence would, would leave them short on numbers. And it, it's going to be a real 
challenge for Arteta against Dundalk, who I'm sure that, you know, this is the game they've got their eyes on. Arteta said, doesn't know much about the team. Mustafi said, doesn't know much, said he knows even less about the team. Um, so you kind of think this is one where maybe they could be caught unawares. We shall see. But um, big crisis in defence and a huge game on the horizon as well on Sunday that they've got to manage. Yeah, well, this is the first time uh, Arsenal's facing Irish opposition in, in UEFA competition. Is, is Arteta thinking maybe too ahead for Manchester United this weekend, do you think, James? Is that what it is? It's like, obviously, after the loss to Leicester City, you know, it's not alarm bells right now, but, you know, he's probably looking for a win sooner rather than later, right? Yeah, they need it because, I mean, even if, you know, we're throwing way ahead here, even if they were to win the Europa League, the kind of expectation at Arsenal is that they finish top four this season or at the very least get, you know, really properly compete for it again. Um, and that's, that's Arteta's expectation as well. And, you know, he is the one who almost sets his own objectives now, the dream scenario for any line manager, I'm sure. Um, he will, he will no doubt be really prioritising that Manchester United game because I think we've seen United are a bit iffy at home. They haven't won any of their home league games in theory, Arsenal have the players to hit them hard on the counter. Players like Aubameyang, Pepe. It's interesting to see who, which of those sort of players really start um, up front for for Arsenal uh, tomorrow night or tonight when you guys are listening to it. It's a tough one. Um, look forward to seeing like players again that I mention a lot on this pod, like Reese Nelson, maybe Emil Smith Rowe, who's really glowing on Reese Nelson. Actually, I should say. Um, Arsenal have been looking to loan him out in the last few weeks of the window, but Nelson, like the whole summer long, was going, No, I'm staying. I want to fight for my place. He hasn't had a chance to show what he can do yet. He's only played 80 odd minutes of football, but a top quality winger. We saw that with uh, Hoffenheim on loan, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do against Dundalk. Yeah, so that's another good point. You know, this competition offers the opportunity for those like second string, third string players to maybe show the manager, that they're good enough. Let's talk about um, Tottenham. Uh, they're facing Antwerp. Um, obviously, uh, they got to travel. It's the early kickoff, actually, uh, tomorrow. Where, what do you see here, the lineup? Do you see something similar? I mean, you know, there, there are some stars here as well that are not getting their minutes, James. What do you make of it? The sort of curious thing with Tottenham is, they, they have the same like problems as the other big teams, but they're making much more of a virtue over the fact that they've got this huge squad that is basically too big to compete in any normal season. But for them, with Europa League qualifying rounds, with um, so many games in the Premier League, they're actually, it almost seems like the extra game load is, is really suiting them. And, you know, you've got players who are going to come in tomorrow. I suspect Deli Ali will come in and he's a guy that can't get in the Premier League squad which I find bizarre. He was really poor in that opening game against Everton, but he remains a, a supremely talented young footballer and a, a brilliant attacking midfielder. Maybe he just doesn't fit. Uh, I mean, I'm interested to get your, your view on this as well, Luis. Maybe he just doesn't fit Mourinho ball, even, you know, particularly with Harry Kane has been unbelievable playing as a false nine, dropping into space and had Son running on. Maybe, you know, if Ali's a natural role, is that position that, that Kane's dropping into. And maybe that's why it's not quite working. But I really hope that we see Ali at his best because two, three years ago, this was one of the best young players in Europe. 
Yeah, this is uh, this is my opinion. He needs to leave Tottenham. He needs to leave Tottenham straight away. And, you know, we talked about Inter Milan a few days ago. He would fit perfectly there, I think. He's 24 years old. 24. And like you said, we've already seen some of the magic that he produces. He's just, if Mourinho's not going to use him, and, you know, I remember watching the Amazon uh, Prime documentary where he yeah. would have his chats and saying, you know, uh, Sir Alex Ferguson would say to me, you know, Deli Ali, he's the one that you want, et cetera, et cetera. He's, it's, he's 24. He's an England international. The best thing for him is for him to leave Tottenham and go to a club that can best utilize his services, whether that's uh, in the Premier League or somewhere else. I think somewhere like Inter would be great for him. There's already, you know, um, an, an interest in going to Premier League talent. Ashley Young is there, of course, and, you know, Alexis Sanchez coming from United, Lukaku before that, etc. I think he would be perfect. But my opinion, leave Tottenham. Just make the best out of it in January, and Tottenham can make some money of it. Uh, Deli Ali's still young. Everybody wins. Yeah, it was really interesting. I mean, like, PSG and teams like that were saying, let's take him on loan. Obviously, that never quite worked out so fiddly in this summer window. 24, it both sort of struck me how, you know, that's still so young, but it feels <laughs> it feels quite old for Deli Ali. It feels like we're always talking about him as a 21-year-old. So... Mm-hmm. You know, time is on his side, but I think you know the year the, the years where he can really establish himself. They're now he has to either get into the team in the next two months, or he's got to go because it's criminal from his perspective, a talent of his quality, to be you know only playing in the Europa League. I would say any other team in Europe. I totally agree. Inter Milan would be amazing for him. Um, but any team in Europe, if you can get Deli Ali on loan, even if you have to pay, you know, his wages aren't very expensive for what it's worth, do it. This guy is brilliant. And I know that he's not been that level over the past two two years. But, you know, remember when Spurs were, were pushing Chelsea and pushing Leicester for the title? He looked like, you know, the, the perfect foil for a modern centre forward, you know, finding those pockets of space, scoring goals, providing assists. I'd be gambling on that talent for a lot longer. And I really hope he either breaks into the Tottenham team or finds a team where he can, he can play. Cause I, the, the, I still think the sky's the limit for this guy. Now get out, get out of Tottenham. I'd say if you want to, if you want to revitalize your career, do it. Uh, unless you're Messi, Lewandowski, Ronaldo, a player is only as good as the manager with his tactics that allows him to be great. And right now that's not what it's happening. Um, finally, anything else from Europa, James, uh, Leicester city. How do you see them? They're, they're going away at Egg Athens. I mean, Jamie Vardy's back. They got the, the feel good factor. What do you make of a uh, Leicester city uh, this week? Jamie Vardy having his party <laughs> again. It's well, I mean, it, it, then they're so not a one-man team, and yet from, <laughs> what I saw on, from what I saw on Sunday, they're kind of a one-man team. Like, <laughs> you know, we'll try and survive against Arsenal until we can get the remains of Jamie Vardy onto the pitch, just running ragged for thirty minutes, and um, and you know, and win the game off Jamie Vardy. I think. Leicester have to be so careful managing him in particular because it's not just about the the quality of his game it's the it's what his presence does for players around him and you could see the Leicester team grow a few inches taller when Vardy came on the pitch Ike Athens would I be risking him probably not the, the sort of 
the strength in depth is there and you know in these away group stage games you're only really interested in getting a point not you know avoiding injuries avoiding a bad result um so i would sort of say keep your powder dry on vardy um because it's looking like the premier league's opening up for a, a proper opportunity for leicester to finish in the top four again it was so close last season and yeah i'm really interested to see how brendan rogers manages this because he's a great manager and a great man manager but was he able to sort of manage his squad effectively in, in the restart games? Clearly not, because they, they fell out of contention. So that's his challenge is how does he balance Europa League and Premier League and keeping Vardy sharp and ready to score? Yeah, well, this will also be redemption time for Brendan Rodgers because uh, when he managed Celtic, Celtic lost to Egg Athens in the Champions League. Uh, so maybe there'll be some redemption here, but it's the first time Leicester City and Ek Athens are meeting in European competitions. We'll see what happens. James Bench, always good to have you, my friend. And James will also be part of our Halloween special. It's going to be fun, huh? I can't wait to see it. I have my costume. I love it. I love it. James, always a pleasure, my friend. Stay safe. And I hope that you have a good game at the Emirates. Cheers. Talk to you guys soon. Hey, everybody. As promised, Jan Vertonghen joined the show to discuss his decision of moving to Benfica, uh, his love for the Belgian national team, as well as his teammates, including Romelu Lukaku. He offers some thoughts on Mauricio Pochettino and the Europa League and so much more. Stay right here because here it is. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Joining us now is Benfica's Jan Vertonghen, the experienced defender and member of the Belgian national team. After an opening victory in the Europa League, Jan and Benfica face Standard Leash, Belgium Standard Leash, this week and a chance to go two for two. Jan, welcome to Kegolasso and CBS Sports Digital. Congratulations, by the way. A new arrival to your family. Uh, sending you the best and congrats. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for the lovely introduction. <laughs> you are mostly welcome. Jan, first off, how are you? How's life in Portugal? How are you enjoying Benfica? Yeah, I'm very good. Um, obviously, moving to another country takes some time to settle in when you have a family and uh, you have to move. And as soon as you arrive, you have to start performing. But then you want any every other the business on the side to be uh, yeah to be well arranged. And uh, that took some time. Uh, but uh, yeah, I can say now that uh, all things are going very well uh, on the football side and uh, on the other side. So uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a happy man at the moment. That's good to hear. Uh, yeah, Benfica are the most decorated club in, in the country, in Portugal. They've won the league title more times than Porto and Sporting. I know it's difficult to describe because obviously of the pandemic, but how does it feel to play for these fans, for Benfica fans, for this club? Yeah, even though I, uh, I haven't played in front of the supporters yet, you can really feel how, uh, how big the club is uh, when you walk on the streets or on social media or uh, the people working in the club. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's weird to say, but I really can feel how, how massive this club is. And uh, obviously I can't wait to, to play in front of the supporters and... Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I always compare uh, 
Benfica to um, to Ajax in uh, in Holland. It's the, it's the most decorated club. It's the is the biggest club with the with the with the biggest amount of supporters. Um, yeah, the most trophies and uh, best known in the country, best known over the world probably. And uh, yeah, that's always when I when people ask me from um, from Western Europe uh, about Benfica, I always compare them as the, the Ajax of Portugal. Well, speaking of Ajax, your resume speaks for itself, Jan. Uh, you know, I feel something about your career that speaks out more than any other player, really, is that you're very loyal. Like, when you make a decision to move to a club, you know, you do it with careful thought. I mean, you, you really essentially have played for three clubs. Ajax, where you started your career, almost 200 appearances. Tottenham, of course, and now Benfica. Jan, my question is, I'm curious, how was the Benfica, Benfica decision presented to you? You know, obviously, you're, you're a very good defender, experienced, many options. Why, why Benfica? How do you make that decision to come? Yeah, I think after, uh, in a couple of years, I will look back at my career and, and I think I'll be a happy man. Uh, maybe I would have liked to be won a, a bit more trophies, uh, but I'm working on that uh, as we speak. And uh, yeah, um, the Benfica transfer was something special uh, because of the last year of my contract, uh, the pandemic, which brought a lot of uh, insecurity in the world of football and in the transfer markets. So uh, I even went a couple of weeks uh, unemployed. Um, so, uh, yeah, I was a bit stressed at that moment because I really didn't want to be in that situation. But uh, there were always options, so that kept me, uh, kept me calm. But I was waiting for the, for the perfect one. And uh, I was actually in Amsterdam on, uh, on, the, uh, on the canals, uh, on a little boat, when um, my agent called me uh, about Benfica. And... Um, I was quite positive um, at that moment and um, uh, at the night at home I spoke to uh, the general manager of the of the club just like a yeah a general uh, a conversation and then and he gave me that very special feeling in that 45 minutes uh, that we spoke and um, yeah when those went downstairs to my to my missus and um, yeah, basically, I told her uh, I was convinced, and uh, obviously, there's lots of things that need to happen on the the contract side and uh, and everything. But um, in that 45 minutes, he uh, he totally convinced me of the projects of the club, of the players, of the yeah, of the total picture. And uh, yeah, then from that moment, there was only one club I wanted to play for. Of course, you needed the approval from your wife. I mean, as we all know, we need that approval first and then we can move on. <laughs> Listen, um, even though success is big in Benfica, uh, in, in Portugal for Benfica, in Europe, it's been a while since winning a trophy. How do you see your chances in the Europa League? Do you think you're good enough to win the whole thing and finally bring a European trophy uh, back to the club? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a very difficult competition to win. Uh, Benfica were uh, close a couple of times in the last couple of years. Um, we have a very good squad at the moment. Um, yeah, every game we're uh, we're getting better, and um, I think uh, we have a, a chance to come very far. But if you see the list of teams that are already in the in the competition, 
And then you have like, I think, eight teams that uh, drop out of the Champions League, which are probably very strong teams. So um, we will always have a, have a chance, but um, it won't be easy. Yeah, and I've heard something that you are a big board games player. You love board games. Uh, yes. What's your favorite board game? And do you play with anybody in the team uh, a lot? Does Otamendi play with you maybe? <laughs> uh, not, not yet. I, uh, I used to play a lot in, uh, in Holland and especially in London. I had my own little crew. I don't have that crew here yet. Um, probably the game that we uh, placed the most was Catan. I'm not sure if you're familiar yeah, with that game. I do and, know, yeah. um, That's been uh, probably the most uh, popular. And then some card games like Trumps or whatever. But uh, um, Eric Dyer and me, we had like the habit of uh, every couple of weeks we brought a new board game and we uh, we introduced that. And sometimes it sticks, sometimes not. But uh, Catan is uh, probably the one. Would, uh, would Toby, Toby Alderweirel play with you as well or, or was he not into it? No, no, he's not that uh, not big of a board game player. Most of the time it was uh, Eric and his brothers and then uh, Ben Davis, uh, Michel Vorm. Um, yeah, that was a bit of our crew. <laughs> uh, talking about uh, Toby, by the way, yeah, and I remember back uh, when you were to with Tottenham in 2017, Toby said, uh, and I quote him, it's difficult for me to play without Bertongen. If I move to another club, he has to follow me. Obviously, he was a little bit kidding, but do you miss playing with Toby Alderweireld in the same club? Yeah, I played uh, more, games with him, more games with him than uh, without him, probably. And uh, yeah, we were very used to, um, to play with each other. But um, yeah, I, uh, you always have to try to develop... Uh, uh, the same connection with the uh, with the new and the other centre back now, and uh, and and I'm working on that now with uh, Nico Otamendi. I think it's going very well. We can always uh, improve, but yeah, Toby and I were uh, so used to each other at Ajax in um, Tottenham and obviously in the national team that it uh, that we took it for granted. So we're going to talk to Toby uh, later this week. What's he like as a person? Are you close with him? Is he funny? Is he serious? Uh, is, it, is he your yin to your yang? What's he like? Um, yeah, he's quite an introvert, I, uh, I would say, which is typically f Flemish, I think. Uh, I, can, I can recognize the type of character a lot in, around me, around me in, uh, in the family or friends. So uh, he's typically Flemish. But once you uh, get to know him, he, uh, he opens up and uh, obviously I know him for a long time. So we know uh, a lot about each other's private life. And uh, yeah, he's a, he's a great guy. He's, uh, he's very loyal. He's, um, he, he can be funny. <laughs> but uh, no, he's a, he's a great guy. And uh, once you get to know him better, he's, uh, he gets more and more extrovert. Of course, when we talk about both of you, we have to talk about the Belgian national team ranked by FIFA as the best in the world right now. How does it feel to play with this squad under uh, Roberto Martinez? Obviously, you were injured during the Nations League, but how does it feel to be with you know, all these talented players as well as you? Probably more talented, but um, no, <laughs> they're, they're a, a great bunch of guys. They are always when I, when I got there, it's like, uh, it's like coming home. They, uh, yeah, I've been playing with them for with some of them for like 10, 12 years, like Toby, and 
yeah, we're so uh, used to each other now. Uh, Roberto Martinez played played a very big part in that, and uh, uh, yeah, um, it's just uh, trying to um, get a trophy there because we had a couple of chances we didn't take them, but uh, I think we got one or two more to go for, and uh, we really feel it's our time. So hopefully, we can uh, get that silverware. Yeah, many of us feel that uh, a tremendous team. One of them, of course, one of your teammates is Romelo Lukaku, doing very well playing. Mm -hmm. uh, and you've played with him, you've played against him, uh, doing very well for Inter Milan. What's he like? What's Romelo like? Tell me from your point of view. On or off the pitch? Both. <laughs> I guess we know on. The pitch, on you, uh, you all know him. He's a, he's a beast. He's a lethal goal scorer. He improves every game. And uh, he's always looking... Yeah, for new things in his game, as uh, we can all see. And um, yeah, off the pitch, he's a, he's a great guy. He's, he's very intense. He loves football and uh, he can be all over you. He's, uh, he's actually the, the nicest guy uh, you will ever meet. He's, uh, yeah, I really love him. I have a very good relationship with him. Yes. And... Uh, yeah, can't wait to see him again. He's a, um, he's a, yeah, he's a friendly giant. Let's uh, say it that way. <laughs> That's a good way to describe him. Uh, yeah, yeah, and just a few more questions. Um, listen, I, I want to ask you about Mauricio Pochettino. I, I'm a very big fan of his uh, as a person, as a manager. Uh, you know, you you obviously know him well from your time with him with Tottenham. Uh, where would you like him? To see him, do do you think he 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 deserves to see a club right now? Do you do you, do you because you know him personally? Maybe is he a little impatient right now? Um, how do you see him as a manager and what he could do for a club? Yeah, I can imagine he's uh, he's impatient. Um, I think the English English league uh, suits him very well. He's a he's a manager that uh, uh, prioritizes the fitness uh, levels and uh, and the physicality of the game so um i think yeah playing in the or managing in the in the premier league is is probably the, the best thing uh, he can do uh he will always want to coach a, a big team i guess so um yeah you have to look at the at the biggest teams uh in the league and uh there are only two or three you can really look at I think then at, the, at this point uh, I won't name them out of respect for the uh, other managers but um, I think that's what he's looking at uh, as well is um, he uh, he wants that big team to uh, yeah to confirm uh, what he's been doing uh, with Tottenham and uh, what he did very well so uh, yeah I if I was him I would be in impatient because um yeah he really loved this job so you wanna you wanna continue that yeah and finally you're playing standard leash this week uh, a belgian team obviously you know them you know just from just growing up experience um how do you see your chances in, in this game yeah we're very confident at the moment we won uh, a couple of games um uh, in a row now um the squad is looking better every game and uh, yeah, games every every three days now. So um, whoever probably is uh, is uh, the fittest and uh, and most focused um, will come out on top. Um, yeah, uh, we play at home. Even it's without fans, I I, uh, I can see ourselves as a, as favourites. But um, Standard is one of the top two, top three teams in Belgium at the moment. 
So it's obviously a very uh, a very good team, and um, I think if we can uh, bring what we've been bringing the last couple of games, we uh, yeah we have to uh, try everything to win the game. Jan Vertonghen, Benfica, the Belgian national team, uh, a father once again. Congratulations, Jan, on Thank everything, and, and the best, and stay safe to you and your family. Thank you very much. Very kind. Nice been speaking to you. I want to thank Jimmy Conrad and James Bench and Jan Vertonghen for joining the show. We will be back with a recap of the action and the preview of the weekend action as well. Make sure that you follow us on Kego Lasso Pod on Twitter. And if you listen to us on cbsports.com, make sure that you follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. We are everywhere, baby, and we don't plan on leaving. We'll see you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.